Welcome to the Heart of Life podcast. We're Jesse and Brooke, two therapists and friends, sharing our lived stories and creating an unscripted space for healing. We hope this podcast empowers our listeners to find freedom and bravery through examining the heart of life with curiosity and permission. While this isn't a substitute for therapy, we believe that you'll find healing, belonging, and your own invitation into becoming. Welcome back. We are excited to join you for another episode of Heart of Life. We have been asking better questions this week. Our invitation to you was to notice when you're asking closed or judgmental questions. Notice when you're in that place of watching rather than witnessing, whether that's yourself or other people. And then start to get curious about the better question to ask. So, Jesse, how did you navigate this invitation? What did you notice? Yeah, you know, as I reflected on on sharing about this, a lot of a lot of times came to my mind actually of what flooded to my mind first was judgmental questions I was asking. Um and and then I landed on this experience I had recently talking to a client actually where we were we were we were trying to unfold this experience that she was having and she she asked a pretty judgmental question of herself of why am i so why am i so messed up by this or why is this impacting me so deeply basically um and when we started to unfold it what was actually happening is we were judging an emotional experience that's actually really universal mm-hmm. uh which is this this idea of a friendship breakup um mm-hmm. f- specifically in female friendships and when we named it that we actually opened up this conversation of, you know, what if this is grief? What if mm-hmm. this is an ending that you're experiencing? And the best question we actually landed on was, what if this is very normal to feel when something like this happens, right? Yeah. And it it stuck with me so much, you know, that I ended up kind of writing about it in my own time because there's been those endings, that grief in my life in various ways too. And I needed the curious questions that she and I were asking of her experience to actually get myself to a deeper place, um, which then led right to this other better question of, is there something in this that is meaningful to me too? Like Mm -hmm. why I see myself in this. Mm -hmm. Um, So that, you know, kind of continues to unfold. And, and I think I'm unfolding that in some, some more, you know, writing spaces and things like that, but that's what came to my mind initially. How about for yeah. you? Well, I noticed just about every day that I was <laughs> stuck in a big question. But but one that I recognized was I was stuck in a should. I should be feeling X, Y, or Z, or I should want something. And the better question I landed on actually led to a series of questions, which was, what would it mean about me if I didn't want that? Mm. Right. What would that, and what would that mean? So, so, you know, if, what would it mean if I wasn't excited to do this thing? Well, it would mean that I'm a bad person or I'm way, and what would that mean? And what would that mean <laughs> to get to the heart of what it was and recognizing it was this real irrational fear. And it was based in wanting to be connected. 
And so because I could get to the bottom of it by asking better questions, then I could say, how can I say no to this thing I don't want to do, but still stay connected in -hmm. this experience? And that that opened up all sorts of doors for me and, and creative ways to think about what the problem was that I was facing. Wow. Yeah, that that should, right? I think I think maybe both of us, whenever we hear the word should, it perks something up in us. Mm-hmm. Um, just this morning, I was having a conversation with a client about productivity and the word should and this some some kind of heavier self-judgment based questions. And we thought about the idea that should actually becomes an umbrella for a lot of things we are we are meaning to say in better ways. Um, I should go do this thing. Maybe what we're actually saying is I'd really like to go do this thing. Or if I were good, I'd go do this thing. Yeah. Or this would be beneficial for me if I went and did this thing. But if we don't know which of those three nuanced versions of quote unquote should that is, we're, we're just kind of blindly following shoulds. Mm-hmm. Which means that we, which means that we don't really we're not really coming from that sense of personal authority. We are we are being driven by um, an external expectation of mm-hmm. should, rather than what do I really want and need, right? Yeah. yeah. What's interesting in in all these examples of how we engaged in this invitation and what we noticed is that in each case, with the client who could name it as grief, with the the person who could identify which of these shoulds am I looking at? Or in in my case, being able to say, and what would that mean? And what would that mean? All of those create the doorway to, to thinking more creatively about whatever the problem is. Instead of being so rigid, now that I understand how I actually feel or what is actually needed or wanted here, now I'm not, it's, it's not an either or. It becomes this... Uh, this buffet of Mm -hmm. choices, right? Um, And not all of them are going to be appealing, but there are more choices than I have to, or I should. I love, you know, that any talk of food metaphor is right. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I love that. I'm thinking about to the, um, you know, the curious questions, the better questions, I mean, when you and I talk about better questions, most of the time they're they're more curious questions, right? And mm-hmm. exchanging, as we've talked about before, judgment for curiosity, um, finding the more curious question in this. And I think that is something we've talked about recently regarding creativity, right? And the the relationship between creativity and curiosity and creativity being present when safety is present. Um, and it's just kind of leading me into, I wonder if exchanging judgmental questions for curious questions creates safety, which then allows us to create creativity, mm-hmm. create creativity, create creativity. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I absolutely believe that. And, and we can look at it, you know, in the other way that we were talking in the last podcast, we were talking about the difference between witnessing and watching and how watching is often judgmental and witnessing comes to it with more curiosity, with more compassion, with more empathy. And even then, 
we can, that sparks this creativity in us to be able to let go of what we thought we knew and see things in a new light, which is the essence of creativity Mm. is to take what is known, right? And I put that in quotations and to explore the, the nuance of it, the color of it, the structure of it. Uh, so, so yes. And, and then this is such powerful healing happens in this creative space because we are accessing this, this internal part of us, this, um, I, sometimes I, I see it as like this other set of eyes Mm. that are often closed because of fear or because of shoulds. Mm Mm-hmm. But as we access this other set of eyes, we get to bring something into the world that hasn't yet been birthed into the world. And that might be something that looks like art. That might be the words that come from us. That might be um, the, the way that we engage with other people. It might be just the way that we choose to see differently. And mm-hmm. to notice differently, but but all of that is takes that creative spark to be able to do that. Well, and you know, previously to this conversation, I think I would have defined creativity as something new being becoming, which mm-hmm. is part of what you're sharing. But what I love about the first part of you know, your, your kind of unfolding of that word is the idea that creativity is looking at something more closely, like you looking at something in existence a little more closely, mm-hmm. finding the flavors, finding the colors, finding the nuances, mm-hmm. and then allowing it to either transform or transfigure or inspire something entirely different. Mm-hmm. That really, I don't know, that feels like a more robust experience of creativity. I've not thought that way before. Yeah. So how does it begin to shift what you experience? Um, Like, can you define other things that you once didn't as creative? Right. Right. Yeah. And it's, you know, I was listening to this video yesterday and it's a guy that is a, I think he's like a communication strategist. And so he'll, he'll have people, you know, show him how they communicate or give a presentation and he critiques and says, you know, shift this, change that. And he was talking to this person who was really meek in um, communication and very quiet and gentle. And he shared back and he's, and he reflected that he said, I experience you as, as very gentle. Um, you're, you're soft in your speech and that's beautiful. There's also beauty and loudness and bigness. And when we attempt to change who we have been or how we have communicated, sometimes that's too difficult to practice with eyes and ears that have already seen, heard, and known us. Mm. So he talked about the idea of finding what he called neutral ears or a neutral audience. And he said, so when you go down to the, to the, um, person at the receptionist, the, at the reception station at the hotel tonight, be big, try on being big, try on being loud. So let's say her name is Jessica and you go, Jessica, how are you? This, I've loved the room I've stayed in, <laughs> right? Cause she won't have this kind of like a uh, shocked expression or response to you being different. Right. He said that those responses where we try something new and creative 
with known ears and they unintentionally shut us down is where we backslide and we we keep ourselves in this purgatory of being unable to be creatively different because we tried it out on somebody that has a predisposed mm-hmm. assumption, right? Mm-hmm. Yes, I love that. And that's about who you share with. And also I think creativity comes from that part of us that is least attached to the stories. Mm. Yeah. Right. Least attached to the, to the narrative that we're telling. And that's what the new set of eyes is that that's that place, like with with the woman and, and the person at the desk, it's, it's that, can I, can I tap into this and, and let go of some stories and see what happens next? Several years ago, um, I, I needed to tell a story and I was having such a hard time connecting to the words to even tell the story, right? I was, do I tell this chronologically? Do I tell it from a feeling space? Like, what do I, how do I tell this story? And something happened and I, I'm not exactly sure what happened, but something happened that I could tap into that part of me that was not so connected to the narrative and I, and I began writing a poem mm-hmm. about this experience. And I, I took 15 years of my life and I put it into this, you know, 30 line poem, but it captured my experience more succinctly and, and the emotion of it so much more powerfully than the narrative, right? The, the 40 page essay that I was attempting to write. And I think it's because I could come to that place of, of this more neutral space. Mm. Can I, can I tell it from a new, a new way that actually maybe the only way my eyes and ears that are connected to my intuition rather than the Mm. story in my head. Wow. I love too the, the, the detachment from the chronological story, right? Because in so many, in so many circumstances in life, and I, and I think this particularly plagues us as women is the urgency to prove our story, Mm -hmm. you know, and to share, you know, if if you want to hear the longest story of your life, ask me to tell it because I will tell you every detail that you don't want. (laughs) But the, the, the compelling nature, right, of telling it from start to finish in a way that has no gaps or holes and is super clear and very well remembered is this urgency to prove our experience often. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And what you bypassed and what you're describing, right, is you let your creative self, your neutral ears maybe, or your your neutral self or detached from story self have a go at it And Mm -hmm. she actually created the most compelling and accurate version of what those 15 years were like for you. Yeah. Yes. So as you're, as you're talking about this, I I think about lots of different things that I've created. Um, And, and I wouldn't consider myself a a visual artist in that, like, uh, like painting or drawing. I I have tried. (laughs) And I have enjoyed the process, um, but 
When I have tried to do those things from the perspective of somebody else enjoying them, seeing them or getting value out of them, I am so paralyzed by the effort because I'm instantly judging it. But when I have engaged in those things from like, hey, let me have a go at this, or I'm really feeling something right now. (laughs) I'm noticing the shape of my hand and I want to see if I can draw those lines. Uh, it actually becomes something that I'm that I'm so fully engrossed and engaged in and usually end up feeling like, oh, like I, I can do something I didn't realize I could do. I've noticed the same thing when I'm trying to write um, poetry or write an essay for like, okay, well, what would people think or would they be able to understand what this means? As soon as I'm there, I'm not there for me anymore. And it needs to be any creative effort, I I believe. And I would imagine that the great artists would say the same. Any creative effort has to come from that internal part of you. And it is an expression of that internal part of you. And it needs to be for you before it can be for anyone else. Mm. Well, isn't this like... I remember you and I talking one time about Mary Oliver and I said, yeah, I listened to this podcast that she was on and the host of the podcast said, you know, in your poem, so-and-so, whatever you said, blah, blah, blah. I don't remember the specifics. And Mary Oliver really sweetly goes, oh, did I write that? (laughs) (laughs) And I said, can you imagine being so talented that you forgot what you even wrote? And you responded back to me. I don't know if you remember this or not, but you said she didn't forget. She was so present in it that it was happening as she wrote it, Mm -hmm. that it it was an event, an occurrence, an experience for her to have that then ended up getting published and we all loved it too. Mm -hmm. But that was the afterthought, right? Yeah. Yeah. Not that it was, not that they were throwaway words, but it was a moment that she was there for so fully there almost it's a it's almost transcendent I think of how we walk through the world Mm -hmm. we really let something just belong to us Mm -hmm. which this has implications for like our sexuality belonging to us our spirituality our creativity anything Mm -hmm. belonging to us first Mm -hmm. I am mine before I am anybody else's Mm -hmm. then actually opens us up to to seeing ourselves real yeah. And, and, and maybe it ends up benefiting others, not, not, and then it actually does like, maybe, maybe not. Yeah. But, but let's talk about how hard that is, right? <laughs> like, cause I'm, I'm hearing this and I know you and I have had this conversation outside of podcasts for before, right. And for a while, I, I cannot tell you how many things I have done that genuinely I just wanted to do, but I believed that the only real good reason for me to do them was because it might benefit someone else. Or the number of times I've had an insight about my own life or my own experience and the, the very next thought is, who do I tell this to? And, and as I have unpacked that, I've come to this place of understanding, like, for my whole life, I really believed that anything that was worth anything had to be for someone else. Um, 
that's why and and so even now it is a struggle when I create something not to immediately think well you know who do I share this I mean and I share haikus with you all the time that's different (laughs) I love them (laughs) um but but really I think this is true in a lot of ways like as even as simple as like do I go make an appointment for myself to get a massage or you know is that a waste of time when I could be doing something for someone else or like this these become very very critical questions because that that narrative that any time spent in oneself either needs to be for the benefit of someone else um, or is a waste of time will keep us from connecting to the part of us who creates. Yeah. Well, and I, and I think there is, um, I mean, really similarly. And, and, and part of this is like when, when we do share something and it resonates deeply, Mm -hmm. (sighs) that feels a different kind of good, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's hard to deny because we are relational beings and we really, we really, I, I think, especially as healers, we love, we love the idea. I'm very deeply attached to the idea that my pain could mean something to someone else so that it wasn't just my pain. Mm-hmm. Um, but also there's the sacredness of something just being yours right? or just being ours. Right. And maybe what we're talking about is motivation then, because when I wrote that, when I wrote that first poem years ago, um, I, I wrote it for me, mm-hmm. right? I, I wrote it to speak truth to myself and not to get anybody else's perspective or have someone go through it and with and say, well, that you're, you're, you know, the chronology of this is all wrong. And like, I, I wrote it for me. Um, and then I shared it. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, I had a blog years ago, and I put it on there and shared that. But, but what I received back from that was so many, me too. Mm-hmm. And thank you for speaking, for saying it this way, because that's exactly how I felt. And that's what this was. And I am so grateful I shared it. But first, it was mine. Yeah. First, it was mine. And I think had I written it from the motivation that I need to write something so that other people feel something, I would not have been able to tap in to what was mine. It yeah. wouldn't have had, it wouldn't have landed the same way either because it wouldn't have been completely true and authentic yeah and and then in addition to motivation that we're we're talking about now too I wonder if timing is part of this mm-hmm. um th- there's been experiences where I have written something and posted something that has meant a lot to people and I've had this kind of um I don't know the right word for the feeling that I have, but it's kind of this like, um, okay, cool. But it's actually on my timeline so I can revisit it. Um, like I'm, I'm glad that meant something, but it's Mm -hmm. actually, I'm plugging it here so that it has an archival presence that I can remember. I felt this way. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. and I wonder if part of that is timing, right? Like maybe there's, 
and I'm, I'm speaking to myself in this moment, like perhaps I need a little more time when I am doing the brave work of creativity, whatever that looks like, spiritual deconstruction, whatever, right? Mm-hmm. Maybe there's a little bit more time I need to hold it really close, like the little seedlings we've talked about mm-hmm. and and have a relationship with it. And once we've reckoned our relationship together, me and that thing, then I can, then I can, if I choose to put it, put it in a space. You know, it's, it's making me think about growing up in, in the faith tradition that I did. um, One of the things that was, that was really like highly encouraged was to talk about spiritual experiences that you had had. Um, And in a lot of ways, um, I'm grateful for that. Um, I think because it it tuned me in to, to parts of me that I might not have had access to in other places. But one of the things that I, I think I internalized and took away from that, and it's not everybody's experience, though, was that it wasn't it wasn't valid until it was shared. Mm. Um, and, and when I look back on it, I often think that, like, I think some of those experiences that I had that felt so ephemeral or so, um, in tuned with something spiritual to me actually were cheapened in the sharing of it because it did, I did need time to hold it and to integrate it and to creatively see it and wrap my heart and my mind around that. And then there would be a time when I would be ready or might be ready or want to share that. But, but we do need to incubate these things. Um, and, and so, you know, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I think everybody's timing is different. I think everybody's motivation is different. This isn't to give you a right or wrong approach to creativity. It's to talk about creativity being a new way of seeing Mm-hmm. a way of disconnecting from the narrative or from the outside judgment of how someone might perceive your experience, your, your vision, your, your heart, and allowing you to just sit in the incubation of it for a little while longer, for it to be yours first, for you to be yours first. And then from there, let the energy of it move however it will. Mm-hmm. But I think in the beginning, we have to give space for it to grow. Yeah. I think too, that our, our, um, our intuition plays deeply into this. Mm-hmm. Um, just this morning I was, I, you know, I've been writing each morning and I, I had written something that I've just felt really moved by. And so I asked my partner, can I read you this? And I said, it's important though. So I really actually need you to hear it. And he said, well, I have to, I have to leave in about an hour. And I said, how long do you think it will take me to read this to you? <laughs> well, he knows. You just said you're a storyteller who will tell stories for, forever. So he knew like, I have one hour. <laughs> but my, <laughs> when he said it, it didn't, it didn't hurt it was silly and funny, but in that moment, I actually knew like, this isn't the time to share. Like this hasn't incubated long enough. Mm-hmm. And something in me said like, not just yet, Jess, like not just yet. Mm-hmm. And so I said, actually, that's okay. Let's do this another time. You know, it's, I'm not quite ready. Mm-hmm. And 
I was really grateful because I can see that having gone a different way where I just made him sit and listen to me and then didn't get the exact response I would have wanted because he's not me. And that would have really hurt me and would have right. maybe kind of harmed my work even or my right. creation. Right. And, and some of that maybe being like, without knowing it, there was a part of you that was looking for validation outside of you. Yes. Um, and, and because he's not you, he was not going to be able to give that to you because this is about you being you, (laughs) you being yours first. Uh, And that's, that is the tenderness of it. The importance of holding it. I have, I have written things or created things, even just thought things, right? Which is creativity, thought, new things. And, and before I let myself really sit with it and, and hold the truth of it for me, I have shared that. And it has been, it has, like I said, cheapened the experience for me, or it has taken the charge, the energy that was there that was about to spark something new and other thoughts. It has taken that away or it has diminished it. And so I'm trying to learn too, how to let that fire build Mm. and know when it's big enough to be able to let other people come stand near it. Mm. Wow. I, I, you know, I'm thinking of this experience that my mom shared with me one time where she, throughout my life, she has written prayers for me. Um, Like I've, I've told her an experience in my life and she'll write something as something that I can use as a prayer over and over again. She's done it various times and they're, they're incredible. Like they're, they're guttural and ancestral and like, not only from her. Right. Mm -hmm. And one time she was telling me that she had written one and she had offered for my dad to read it first. And he attempted to correct some grammar and it shut her down completely. Yeah. And it was, and it's exactly what you just talked about of all of the wind that was in this holy sail mm-hmm. was dashed because someone else was invited into something that was only meant for her still, mm-hmm. or that was only meant for her and I, or whatever that was going to mm-hmm. be. Yeah. It was still in that, it was still the flicker and not the flame. Right. And and I think the more we we attach to creativity, and I am like taking all of this in of like, oh, okay, I'm speaking to myself here. Right? But the more we allow ourselves to practice and attach and to see things with new eyes and to to do that, I think we will we will begin to trust, okay, this is big enough. This is getting bigger. This has energy that's moving into other things and I can let it out and go and it will be what it's going to be. But for a while, it's okay that you're the one just kind of keeping that going and and attending to it. Soaking it. And it's still so valid, right? Just as yours, it has as much validity as if you put it out somewhere else, only... I would say more because mm-hmm. it's because you you are holding it in the tenderest of places for you. Yeah. I love that. Mm. All right. So our invitation create, we don't know what that looks like. We don't know what that will be for you. Um, but give yourself maybe five minutes of time to just sit in the quiet and notice what is stirring uh, whether that's words or 
color or texture, uh, whether that is thought or memory, but just notice what's stirring and and make note of it. Um, I think one time, Jesse, you offered the invitation of just allowing yourself to think about being creative. Do that. Just start the spark and notice where it where it lies inside of you um, and attend to that for a little while. I have a quote that I want to read by Rachel Naomi Remen. Um, I love this. At the deepest level, the creative process and the healing process arise from a single source. When you are an artist, you are a healer. A wordless trust of the same mystery is the foundation of your work and its integrity. Mm. The the metaphor, yeah, okay, I won't get on the box, but the the metaphor in that, I I have a few people that I work with who are weavers, mm. and as as I'm hearing that again, that that artist that artistry right or creativity and healing come from the same source mm-hmm. this image just came to me of in therapy we are weaving healing right mm-hmm. we're creating a tapestry of your stories and your pain into healing and into to change it's yeah rachel mm-hmm. naomi remen again for the way right, <laughs> right. Well, and, and what i hear in that too is like trust trust that what's coming from you is creating this really beautiful big picture that you might not see completely yet I think about notebooks that I've gone through and I look at what I've written little you know one line things or a full full page and I see the picture that it was creating this part of me that I didn't even know I had complete access to was telling me the story of who I would become And that is really incredible. Uh, So we invite you to find that part of you. Before we finish, um, Jesse, do you want to talk about what's coming up for you? Thank you. Um, On November 18th, which is a Saturday, Saturday, November 18th, um, we are, I'm doing a free mini workshop. So Saturday, November 18th from 10 a.m. to 11 a.m. is going to occur virtually um, on Zoom. And it is a mini grief workshop that is aimed at coping through the holidays. But also we're going to talk about creating really nourishing rituals for memorializing your loved one and just some nourishing rituals for getting through the holiday season when grief is in your your heart, in your orbit, in your life. Um I'm super excited about it. It's going to be incredibly reflective and gentle and really warm in how it feels for attendees. Um, so it's not necessarily, you know, a teachy class, but it's going to be this really beautiful, um, gentle experience that guides us into the holidays. And all you have to do to RSVP for that is email me, jesse, J-E-S-I-E at riverbendcolorado.com. And I'll make sure that you get the Zoom invite. Hmm. it's going to be a really incredible experience I'm excited okay so we'll, we'll see, see you next time we hope you're enjoying listening to the podcast as much as we love creating it and we'd love to hear from you about your lived story what are you examining and learning who are you becoming Our podcast is sponsored by Riverbend Counseling in Colorado Springs. 
Following along with us on Instagram at Riverbend Therapy will allow you to engage more fully with the content of our episodes. There you'll find reflective questions, challenges, and community. If you appreciate this podcast, consider leaving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform, or better yet, share it with people you think might benefit from the work here. Thank you.